Shalom, mishpacha. Shalom, family. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word, and that's what it means, family. We're the mishpacha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. We're the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form what Paul calls one new man, a new species of being. And there's such a mystery connected with the Jew and Gentile being one in the Messiah. But we don't have time to go into that. But the best way to understand the mystery is to be caught up in the presence of the living God. And that's what this week is going to do for you. You are going to have such an encounter with the Spirit of God. It's sort of like my guest here is Warren Marcus. I've known him many years. He's a Jewish believer uh, in the Messiah, as I am, uh, and he's executive producer of It's Supernatural Television. Uh, But, uh, you know, I was talking to a Jewish man that read our book, uh, They Thought for Themselves, uh, just before we went on the air. And he said, Sid, I don't quite understand this. I'm feeling a few Um, uh, like almost uh, an eerie feeling. There's like a presence that touches me when I read your book and when I think about the Messiah. There's there's a conservative Jewish man that's been conservative Jew his whole life. Uh, and, and, And I said, let me explain it to you. In the temple, people were saturated with the presence of God. Could you picture Joshua, Caleb, Moses. I mean, there was such glory that the, that Moses's face, literally, uh, it would shine. He had to put a veil on it. And I said to this fellow, you're getting a few raindrops of what is coming. But the sad thing, Warren, is the church isn't even getting, most of the church isn't even getting the raindrops. But before we get into how they can be saturated with at least the same glory of God that was in the old covenant glory, but we have the new covenant glory, is uh, you were raised in a conservative Jewish home, uh, you were bar mitzvah, uh, and one one day you have a memory, you're age five, uh, your uh, sister is uh, an agnostic Jew, um, and you're afraid of the thunder and lightning, and uh, you tell her this, and what does she say to you? Well, she just said, there's a God. He'll protect you. Don't worry about it. That's a God? Yeah, he's everywhere you are. He's, he lives in a place called heaven, but he's, he's right there with you. So I got more frightened of this unseen person named God, and I remember, said I had a dream that night. I was... I was in the clouds, lightning and thunder all around me. I could see it as I'm sharing it with you. Hmm. It was incredible. I was so frightened, and there was a light that was in the distance that pierced through this golden, beautiful light, pierced through the clouds. The clouds parted in a circular fashion. Beams of light came all towards me, all around me, and I was being drawn into that golden presence, the glory of God. I didn't know till now you know, recently that what it was. And as I was being drawn, I felt the peace of God, shalom of God. And I heard a voice inside me and all around me. And this voice said, don't be afraid. I am your friend. And I woke up from the dream. I was so overwhelmed. I could still feel that that presence, you know, of God. And I tried to tell my Jewish mother, mom, I saw God. And she says, that's nice, Warren. <laughs> That's like my mother. Yeah, you want something to eat? <laughs> no. uh, but then the next day in school, something to me amazing happened to you. Yeah, the teacher said, take out crayons, draw a picture. So I took a yellow crayon. I'm trying to draw a picture of God. 
I mean, if I can't tell people about God, at least if I could draw a picture, maybe they'll understand. So I'm drawing this picture, and this little Jewish kid next to me, Richie, he says, what's that supposed to be? I said, it's a picture. A picture of what? A picture of God. You can't draw a picture of God, he said. I said, why not? You can't see God. I said, well, I saw God, and I continued to draw this picture. Well, he got in such an argument with me, and it became, I started crying because people were laughing. The teacher comes over. She says, what's going on here? He said, he said he saw God. I said, I did see God. She says, what? In my dream, and here's a picture of God. And I showed it to her. I remember her looking at the picture, looking at me. I mean, she must have thought I was Meshuggah. (laughs) That's a Hebrew word for crazy. Uh, and but then, many years later, what you did as as just a child, uh, five year old, is you took a picture to illustrate a concept. You're obviously a visual person, and isn't it amazing that his heart's desire was to make films. Uh, And you went and you worked on Madison Avenue. You were doing commercials. You were doing well. And then you had an encounter with the Lord, uh, a a Meshuggana, (laughs) you already know that word, crazy street preacher, uh, started preaching and the word got inside of him. He became a believer. And what what did you think about your career of making commercials for hot dogs and and things like that. I just said, I can't do this anymore. God, I I mean, I want to do something for your kingdom. I don't want to make deodorant commercials and things. (laughs) I mean, it stinks. (laughs) So I just said, Lord, you got to rescue me. I'll do anything. And I wound up being raptured down into Virginia Beach, Virginia at CBN. With now, Pat he really Robertson. wasn't raptured. No. That's his shorthand. Uh, but he worked for Pat Robertson, and so many wonderful ministries have come out of people that have worked for CBN over the years. Uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, God used your gifting uh, to in at least two projects I know of uh, that literally revolutionized Christian television. Tell me about the two. Well, there's the animated Bible story, Superbook and Flying House, millions all over the world, different, all the languages you could speak, Russia, China, all over. And then Don't Ask Me, Ask God, which was a primetime special using celebrities from Hollywood, Michael J. Fox and others. And out of that, there were 16.5 million people that actually saw the show. We got that from Nielsen Conference. Mm-hmm. 114,000 people wrote in saying they prayed a prayer with Pat Robertson to become believers in Yeshua. And then you went to work for Jerry Falwell, and then your friend Sid Roth said, someone has just given me $25,000 to start a TV show. I don't know what to do, Warren. That's your thing. And you flew up to Toronto, Canada, because that's where they put the money in the studio for me. Uh, And we did our first It's Supernatural TV show. And I dragged you, and I'm not exaggerating, I dragged you out to where there was one of the first revivals in, in, in many, many years. It was called the Toronto Blessing. And you were so nervous. As a matter of fact, I think what was going through your mind is, what if Jerry Falwell finds out that I'm at this place? Oh, yeah. I was. I had the fear of man, you know, and my reputation. I'm going, oh, my gosh, because this was not decently in order, quote, unquote. You know, that 
I, I, I came out of Assemblies of God when I got saved and this decently in order. This was like wild. I mean, what was going on there? But the power of God was there, but it was amazing. And But what caused you to go from a spectator of what was happening, and I might add a nervous spectator, you had never, I mean, you, you actually came from a spirit-filled background, even though you were working for Jerry. Uh, you went to Assembly of God Church. Uh, so you'd seen people that were prayed for and overcome with the power of God. You've seen healings, but you were seeing holy laughter. You were seeing people shaking. Oh, yeah, uh, shouting. You know, you were, I mean, and were you concerned it wasn't God? Well, yeah, I, I felt like, what is this you, God? I mean, this is so out of the norm from what I even saw in my life. And even in those days when I went to somebody's God, it wasn't like anything like that. And But when I went and saw the testimonies that were coming as a result of that, that really convicted me. Matter of fact, there was one time they were, I, the laughter thing really drove me crazy. I would watch on TV. And Speaking see- of the laughter, let's go to a clip from your DVDs that you're making available. Let me ask you something. I notice you people are having fun here. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Could you, you answer me? What, what, are you, what are you feeling here? What are you, what's going on? Ooh, it's hot. <laughs> what's going on with you? Ooh, ooh it's like inside. Ooh. <laughs> Pain? I mean, what's going on? Happiness. <laughs> oh, love. Oh. oh. Oh, oh. Actually, came for her. <laughs> what I found amazing was that no one was touching these people. There was no enthusiastic praise going on around them, and no one could accuse these people of getting caught up in the emotion of the moment. Sure. Let me show you what happened next. What happened? Just tell me your marriage. Just... Oh, we had a bad marriage. We were m- living together. From day one, it was like a hurricane. It hits us bad. It was at st- one stage so bad, I want to kill him. I want to destroy him. I want to destroy all his things. I killed all his things. If I could find something of him, I burned it, I broke it. I chased him around with knives. The marriage counselors all told us, there's no ways. You got something in you that nobody can get out. And he told me, I can get it out with Jesus in me. And it's changed my life. It's changed me so much. I want to I wanna burst open. I want to love everybody. I love everybody, even the people in South Africa. doesn't matter which color. I love them with a passion. And we are telling you, this is my big love. <laughs> what about these manifestations, this shaking and jerking and all this laughing and all this stuff? In your opinion, as a doctor, what do you feel about that? These physical changes that seem to come over people when they're being prayed for are actually the physical response of the body to the presence of God. Now, this was a very hard thing for me to understand initially, but basically, when the power of a supernatural force, people react. People respond to this power. And basically, I look at manifestations as merely a yellow flashing indicator light that says, God at work, God at work, God at work. So some people laugh, some people cry, some people shake, some people roll. It just doesn't matter. When they get off the floor, they're different. So I don't really care what they look like while God's working on them. They're different when they get off the floor. 
That was Dr. Mullen, a psychiatrist. And what did he say afterwards to you? He said he started prescribing to people that would come see him, just go to Toronto, get prayer, get set free. And they were. Now, Warren has produced seven DVDs. They're called The Great North American Revival. Uh, and there are three major revivals that occur throughout the U.S. that Warren has documented. This is better than going to the Brownsville, the Pensacola, the Smithland Revival. Why is it better? It's the best of the best. These seven DVDs available for a gift of $59 if you get two $89. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. Tell me uh, the, the names, places of the three revivals, Warren Marcus, uh, and uh, how many people attended those things? Over four and a half million people came to Toronto, the Toronto Blessing, Another 4 million people came to Pensacola, Florida to the Brownsville Revival, and hundreds of thousands came to this little town in Smithton, Missouri to the Smithton Outpouring. Now, you were, we left off on yesterday's broadcast, you were extremely impressed with the testimonies of changed lives you were hearing, but, and you reached a point where you said, uh, what about me, God? Am I just Swiss cheese? Uh, and what caused you? I'm just curious, because I know you were on the sidelines. I had, a, I, I had to pull you uh, beg you to stay even at these things. And, and I was thinking, how can this guy help me with my TV, new television show? And he doesn't even want to enter in. What caused you to cross over that line, Warren? I kept watching people on these prayer lines, and I saw people getting touched with this incredible thing. I said, either they're making this up or this has to be you, God. I want to know, is this you? And I got a hunger inside me. I said, God, if this is you, I want it for me. I want you to give me some. And God touched me. He touched me. I mean, I started weeping, and I just started having this incredible thing of wanting him. And I had a flashback to when I was a little boy again, when I had that encounter with God in heaven. I felt the same warmth, the same peace. And I even saw that picture of me drawing that picture, trying to draw a picture of the revelation of God that I did as a kindergarten kid. And I tried to, and it's like, and then I heard God's voice. It said, Warren, I want you to document what I am doing, not on a piece of, of the page, not to try to draw on a page, but to put it on film and TV so others can see and experience what you are experiencing now. Now, when you went forward, uh, you, 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 even, uh, uh, even though it was tough and you heard that from God and then you got up, what did you feel? Did you feel maybe this was God or maybe it oh, wasn't? No, I knew. I knew it was God because that confirmation of the glory coming in me. I mean, I was filled. My temple was filled. I didn't realize how dry I was. I didn't realize that I was spending time in what I called normal Christianity wasn't normal. This was normal. This is what we should be. This is, I mean, fire of God is, is a great word to describe it. Okay. Why, in retrospect, did you go to these three revivals and document everything going on in film? Why? I just 
said, you dragged me to these, each one. I mean, I got, I was in Toronto. He said, hey, there's one going on in Brownsville. Oh, there's one going on in Smithton. Everyone I went to, I asked God, do you want, you know, I didn't even go there with that whole idea of doing it. But as I saw what God was doing, and I received an impartation, a greater one, and each one I went, every time I went and spent time in his presence, I said, I've got to show this. It was a burden that I had. Because I looked around me and saw the church, and I saw people singing songs, and they weren't connecting to God. It was like they were, we were having all the struggles. It wasn't like the Bible. You read all of these incredible encounters that people had, healings and all kinds of stuff. Here it was happening in these places of revival, and I wanted to see that in the church, even so in a selfish way that my own Jewish people, my own family might be able to know that God is truly who he is and that Jesus is truly our Messiah. And after you did these amazing, amazing videos, you captured the anointing. You captured the best of the best. You then did, you had six DVDs. You then did a seventh DVD. Tell me about that. Well, that all started because I started going to churches and they'd ask me to show them these revivals. So I'd show them the videos. I hardly talked. I just showed them the videos, showed the desperation that the leaders had. I showed what happened there. And as I showed them, people began without even understanding me telling them to do anything. They started sensing the power of God. It started falling in those churches and such. Those people started weeping, shaking, all kinds of stuff. They had their own encounter with God. And I just said, this is this is amazing. So I began to do something where I began to share how you could walk in revival, not just a one that fades, but one you could have every day of your life and continue. And I've been doing that since, since I've visited these revivals. I haven't stopped. Every single day I'm walking in that resurrection power, in that revival power. That's what keeps me going. Okay, so the seventh video, your motivation was for the same thing that happened while you were teaching, the same thing that happened while people were at these revivals would happen in people's homes. Right, in their homes, wherever they play it. And that's what's happening. People are really being touched by the power of God. I mean, it's like you don't have to go to these places and spend all that money and all that time. It's very hard for people to do. In the comfort of a person's home, they watch these videos. Healings take place. People begin to want more of God. The key is the intimacy with God. When you get in his glory, all things are possible. You know what they found out when people were listening to the music from the various revivals? Each revival had a distinct music, and it's almost as if the sound caused the revival to happen to people, and you captured the music from each revival. Tell me about, uh, 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 let's go to the smallest one, the Smithton revival. Tell me about uh, the music coming out of Steve Gray. Oh, it's incredible. He would sing this song, Pour Down from the Skies, the revival, and people would start running to the altar. Young people. Let's, let's hear a little bit of Pour Down from the Sky. Pour down from the skies On every heart
Uh, Warren, as good as that was, that's how good they were at all three revivals. Linda Cooley at the great Brownsville, Pensacola revival. Uh, Tell me about him. He was a psalmist. I mean, he was not just a worship leader, but he just went for God and he shared on the video what type of thing worship really is that we're not doing in churches today. Let's hear that. I believe that he's preparing his bride to be worshipers. We have not been worshipers in the past. The church in America has not been a worshiping church. We call worship service Sunday morning at 11 a.m., but very little worship happens. Most of the time we sit and listen to the choir and go, isn't that nice? If you look at what's in Revelation as a snapshot of what is going on in heaven that is really worship, that little thing we do on Sunday morning is hardly worship, you know? And I think what God has been doing with this revival and what the ministry of worship has been doing is getting us to focus on heaven and what's going on there and the kind of worship. As the Lord said, he's looking across the face of the earth, looking for people who you worship him. Lord, who am I compared to your glory? Warren, uh, when Linda Cooley was saying that and singing that song, what was happening to the audience? Oh, people were just breaking down and weeping. I mean, to, to know God loves them as his beloved, to be called beloved by the awesome God who created the heavens and the earth, the one who caused the Red Sea to part. This is the God that's our daddy. And people were just weeping because they really got connected with God for the first time, many of them, and others who had been so far away from him were now being set on fire once again. Those of you that are listening to our voices right now, what you are feeling is throughout all seven DVDs. Can you imagine? Because in my opinion, Warren and many others... What you have captured is better than someone going to one of those meetings because it is the strongest anointing of anything they did the entire time. It's like they're able to sit in various seats. It's like they're put over this seat. They're put over here. They're, and when you're around people in these revivals who are being touched, you get touched. I want you to tell the people what you told me as to why you wanted to work in this ministry. Oh, because you and I are both both Jewish believers, but we have a burden to see people walking in the supernatural. I have that burden. I want them to experience God. I want them to be so on fire. I want to see signs, wonders, miracles happen, just like it did in the days of Jesus. He said, greater works shall you do. But I have a selfish reason, just like you do. I want to see my people, the Jewish people, come to Messiah, and they require a sign. When they start seeing the church walking in that glory, walking with those miracles hot before God, they're going to be jealous to want to have what they have. 
Yeah, you know, Warren, like you, I have a, just a severe burden, like Paul, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that the Jewish people would be saved. But as I started in this ministry, I found out very quickly uh, that uh, when you reach the Jew, it is the greatest catalyst in the world to reach large numbers of Gentiles than if you went directly to the Gentile. I call it God's law, spiritual laws of evangelism. And the way to reach the Jew is to equip the church to walk in signs and wonders. No one's doing it anymore. It's like it's demoted to the back door. It's not even talked about. Oh, we pray and we have a couple miracles, maybe a year. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm basing my eternity on the book, on the Bible. And the Bible says you will do the same works Jesus has done and even greater. And I know that if we can equip the church to be normal, they will reach the Jew. And if they reach the Jew, it'll be the catalyst for the greatest Gentile revival in history. That's why you teamed up with me. That's why you joined this ministry. That's why uh, at age 71, uh, I am as excited now as when I was 30 and the glory of God came into my bedroom as an unsaved Jewish uh, young man uh, that didn't know his left hand from his right hand. And I knew all I knew was Jesus was real. And I want people to get their first love back. Uh, What is it about us humans that for us to enter into what we were destined to enter into, many of us uh, have to be desperate. Uh, Take one of the revivals, the one that you spent the most time with, the Toronto Blessing. Uh, Tell me about uh, Pastor Arnott. John and Carol Arnott. They had a little vineyard church by the airport. They were hungry. They, they saw what was in the Bible. They said, there's got to be more. They themselves felt burned out. They themselves, as pastors, had been working hard. But there was something missing, that first love that they had. They wanted to rekindle that. And they heard about revivals of the past in Argentina. They heard various things going on with Rodney Howard Brown. And there was things going on there. So they saw it. They did it this way. They began leaving their comfort zone, leaving their own church and saying, we're going out and we're going to go and visit places. And they went to Argentina and they asked to be prayed over. They asked God to touch them, but they just had this hunger, hunger. And you know what, Sid? In the Bible we read, it wasn't the people who felt that they were whole and righteous. It was the desperate, the hungry people who Jesus reached. The ones that got their healing were the ones that didn't care about their reputation anymore. Oh, but you know what? There's a little bit P.S. to that story that I'm sure you're aware of. They had a move of God, and John started controlling it. And he said, God, if you will ever send it back, I won't put my finger against that anointing that you're sending back. And that's why it became so big. That's right. But also... Uh, talk about someone broken. Uh, how about Steve Gray from the Smithton Revival and his wife, Kathy? Let's go to the, uh, the DVD section. Kathy, just before Steve left for Brownsville, you were experiencing your worst nightmare. Oh, Sid, it, it, was, it was like a nightmare. It really was. It was everything that every wife and every pastor's wife dreads. And what, what I was living was seeing the collapse of my husband. 
of his life, of his personality, of everything that he was, uh, seeing the destruction of his dreams, of his vision, of his hope. And when you're seeing your husband live through that, there's hardly anything you can do after a while. I tried to give him all the right words, you know, all the encouragement, the pats on the back, the, come on, hun, honey, buck up, you can do it, you can do it. But on the inside, I was starting to crumble. As I watched him sink lower and lower, I just found um, a deep fear, a fear setting in that this was going to be the end, not just of, of our lives and our marriage, but the ministry, the calling that Jesus had called us to together over 20 years ago. So I, I was a desperate woman. And I was at the point where uh, the constant fear was, was leading me then to get like pushy with Steve. And she'd say, well, I don't think God's finished with you yet. And I'd think, well, I don't care. Maybe I'm finished with me. I'm finished. I'm tired of people. Uh, I'm tired of the destruction. I'm, I'm tired of, of, of being afraid. Uh, and pastors will know what I'm talking about. A little bit afraid that always somebody's after your life, looking to say, aha, aha, I knew there was something wrong with you. I knew there was something wrong with your ministry. And just feel like people are breathing down your neck constantly. And so I started having thoughts, I want to just disappear. How can I get out of this? How can I get out smoothly without hurting these people, without hurting this ministry? Maybe God will send somebody in to take over. Or maybe I'll just disappear take all my money out of the bank. I won't even tell Kathy. I got some money saved up. I'll go get cash. So Steve Gray goes to the Brownville Revival. He is desperate in Pensacola. His wife doesn't know whether he's going to just raid the piggy bank and just disappear. I mean, she is desperate. And now he comes back. Let's see what happened. A miracle. It was a miracle. It was the Lord breaking through and answering all my prayers and, and bringing all my dreams back into focus. I saw my little husband walk in that same room into the door, through the door that he'd walked through for 12 years. And the music was already going and we were already worshiping the Lord by faith. And when he walked in, it was 6, 12 p.m. I looked at my watch because he was late. I hadn't seen him for two weeks and I, I wanted to know if the Lord was going to save us or not. I knew this was crucial. I knew this moment when he walked in was the determining moment of the rest of our lives. And I lit up like a ball. I, mean, I just lit up my eyes, my mouth, my grin. I'm smiling. My wife hadn't, when the last time my wife had seen me, I looked horrible. And I lit up with this grin and, and it struck me like lightning and there was no outlet for it. It came in. How do I let it out? I did something I'd never done before, and both arms went up in the air, and I just started jumping up and down. That's the only thing, it just had to come out. The power of God hit him, and he responded instantly. His whole countenance just lifted. His eyes got real big, and this free grin came on his face like I'd never seen him grin before. It was the kind of freedom that I'd always wanted for him. And he started doing something that he's, he'd never done before. He put both his hands straight up in the air, and he, he had this big grin, and he started just kind of bouncing and jumping and twirling. And when that happened, it was like electricity went through him, hit all of our people. It's a miracle what happened. 
everyone ran down to the front of our little old sanctuary where the floor is very old because it was built in 1859, this floor. We all crammed down to the front and everyone started doing that, just leaping for joy. And a new life had come in. The presence of God was there. And I knew that we were on our way to a new beginning. We'll never be the same. The Lord's in your fire. How about you? Are you getting hungry for more? Are you satisfied? Are you content? Do you think that's all there is? Or are you tired of religion? Uh, Warren, I have to tell you that although I took part in all three revivals, as you did too, I am more desperate this moment for more of God than I've ever been in my life. It's, it, it's like the more you have of God, the more you want God. And I believe that if you pray right now, people's desperation level for more of God will increase. Would you do that? Oh, Father God, we come before you right now. We just ask that, that seed of desperation for you to want to have an intimate relationship with you. To, to, to know Daddy God, to know you as our Father, to know you it, it is, to, is to live. We're going to have all eternity. Oh, God, I, I pray for an eternal perspective to come into people right now, that seed to want to, 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 to not just live in this life and for what it has, but to have that seed of wanting to see things with an eternal perspective, Lord God to really connect with you, to be in your glory. Give us a hunger, Lord God, to have what these other people have received. Lord God, just like I know that there's so much more, I walk on one level of glory, but God, you want to give the next level of glory and then the next level of glory. It never ends. We don't have to settle for the same old, same old every day. You're, you're new every morning. You have new things you want to impart to us. You have new dreams, new visions. It doesn't matter what our age is. You have so much more. And God, help us to get over the mediocrity. Help us to get over just, just, that, just that wanting to just be, just be normal and take away the fear of reputation. Take away the fear of what it will look like. Oh, God, we're so desperate. We don't care what you do to bring us, shake us, make us, make us get out of this lethargic state we're in, Lord God. Let us fall madly in love with you all over again, freshly in love with you. God, I pray for that love, that kindling of that love, Lord God, that first love, that romance we had when we first and, and came Warren, to And Warren, they're you. going to have that first love when they get these seven DVDs, the Great North American Revival. And the seventh is how to walk for yourself in revival 24-7 with special prayers of impartation. I can't wait for you to get this in your home and make it the most important gift to the most important person in your life because you can get one series of seven DVDs for $59, but we're making two available, two sets for $89. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 2697. Warren Marcus, executive producer of It's Supernatural Television, uh, has put together seven DVDs featuring 
the Great North American Revival series, the one that happened in Toronto, uh, the one at the Smithton outpouring, and the Brownsville Revival. And then he pulls it all together. He has found that when he just showed excerpts of these, because these seven DVDs are the best of the best, but when he just showed little excerpts in a church, the same thing that happened at these revivals happened in these churches. And Warren, the thing that's so amazing is some of these churches were non-charismatic. They were evangelical churches. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing. I mean, I'd show them in these churches and they'd all, the glory would come. They didn't know what to do. They were just standing there. They would come forward and want more. And they'd just stand there. I remember a pastor of one church, big church, Southern Baptist Church in, in Virginia Beach, Virginia, came running forward, the first one, and they were just standing there. They didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I'm going, could this be possible? I even asked, the, could you play some music? This lady's sitting there. The, the, the musicians were frozen. Finally, she played Just As I Am. You know this, Just As I Am Without. I figured if anything could kill the revival, this would. <laughs> but they were still hungry. People were weeping. One lady told me, I felt like I had a, I felt like falling over, but I didn't know what to do. <laughs> she, she, she had no experience uh, for something such as that. But on yesterday's broadcast, there was something common with all of these three North, great North American revivals, and that was a hunger and a desperation for more of God. Uh, and that's true. Uh, the great Pensacola revival in Brownsville, uh, Florida. Uh, and tell me about Pastor Kilpatrick. Oh, he, he just got a hung. He just wanted, he said, I read in the Bible. I see all these miracles. All these things happen. It's not happening in my church. Oh, God, I need you. What is wrong? God, we need revival. Let, let, let's hear it in his own words right now. Before revival broke out, friend, in this church, there was times I came down to this church and I would lay on the front row behind those chairs. There was no chairs up here then. I'd lay on the front row. And I'd come down here some morning, just put on a pair of sweatpants, never cut the lights on. And I'd hit the security system in the back and let myself in and lock the door behind me. Three or four o'clock in the morning. Something deep inside of me was calling out to the deep of God. And I said, Lord, there's got to be more. And I would come in here in this building and I would scare myself, friend. It was the stillness of that dark pre-dawn hours. Four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, and I'd lay on that front row and I'd grab my belly and bellow out like a cow. Oh, God! I need you, Lord! I would walk these floors and I would cry out loud. I knew nobody was around and I knew nobody could hear. And I'd lift my voice sometime till I would be hoarse and I'd say, God! There's more! There's got to be more! I thank you, Lord, for the church. I thank you for the building. I thank you for my wife and children. But, oh, God, I'm dying inside! 
Could you hear that desperation in John Kilpatrick's voice? And you know what happened. And it's so amazing. Uh, you have this in your DVDs. Of He was like a drunk man. Uh, and he, he, he couldn't even dress himself. His wife had to put his shoes on for him. Uh, I, and he was so filled with the Spirit of God. And what was God doing? He was literally marinating Pastor John Kilpatrick. And also, uh, let's face it, he was a, a pastor of a large Assembly of God church. And you, when you have a large church, you have to have certain controls. And I understand this. But the controls would have stopped what God wanted. So what did God do? He made him drunk for how long, do you know? Six months. He was just Six out of it. Six months? I didn't even realize it yeah, was that long. That was what, and in the meantime, the churches broke out, and every one of those people that were in the church got totally touched. See, first revival comes, it touches you. It touches the people you know. But then they got so excited, they started telling others, and that's how the revival became viral. It started going all over the world. People started hearing about it, started coming, and lives were changed. Uh, Speaking of changed lives, uh, tell me a few testimonies that really had an impact in your life, Warren. Well, some of them I covered on the DVD. Uh, This guy, Mark Butler, he was a hell's angel. He was watching television and saw a testimony of a girl who was impacted, a teenager who was impacted. She was shaking under the glory. She started saying, Jesus is coming soon, quickly, quickly. He saw that with his wife. He went to the Brownsville Revival, got totally changed, delivered, set free. He went to the school of Brownsville Ministry at the time in Pensacola, Florida. He's a missionary now with his wife in Africa. This is years. That's 1996. Look where we are now. 2012, he's still walking with God. Another guy, Patrick Waters, he was a bouncer, a drug dealer. He was doing all kinds of things. He, was, he liked to hit people and beat them up. He came to the revival. They urged him to come, his father. And he went forward. He was totally set free, delivered of drugs, total heart for he would weep before people he went to the school of ministry he's in he works as a pastor in a church down in Pensacola Florida yeah i remember going to one meeting and steve hill this was in uh, the brownsville church in pensacola i said i wish you had been here the night before because we had a group of playboy bunnies <laughs> that came in they got radically i mean radically touched by god it's one afternoon, people would come out. You know, they were they questioned whether that was real. I remember a newspaper was questioning, you know how they get negative? Oh, crime went down, whatever. I interviewed the sheriff of Cambia County. He told me, I've been to the revival. I've seen a, a, the crime lowered. I went to the mayor of Pensacola. He said, it has definitely changed our whole city. You have millions, four million people coming from all over the world to this little town, Pensacola, Florida, for a revival. Warren. When I think about the great revival that happened in Toronto, Canada, the thing they brought forth was the love of Father God. And there was, you know, the anointings were different at all three. The music was different at all three. Um, Something that really, you told me when you started concentrating on the words of one of the songs at Toronto, it had a major impact on your life. Yes, Break Dividing Walls. I mean, it was talking about Jew and Gentile, one and Messiah. 
I was seeing that picture right happening there. People from different nations, denominations, Baptist, Catholic priest who was on the floor and got up and the glory was all over him. They all came together because they were hungry for God and they were one. There was a thing of unity. And that's what Yeshua said. I, I pray that you all might be one. Let's hear the anointing. I mean, I want you to partake of the anointing on this song. Yes, O Lord, they say so be it, O God. Between the black and the white, between the Hispanic and the Asian, those walls, yes, they're coming down. Between the Jew and the Gentile, and all. Warren, tell me about that sociologist in her report. Margaret Paloma, she came to the revival. She did a report. She studied 1,000 people who said they were shaking under the power. They had done all these various, quote, unquote, weird things. She wanted to find out what is it. They said they had this encounter with God. What was it like? How did it look in their lives? So she studied them for a year, a thousand of them, and found that 70% of them were still going strong for God, that it made a change in their marriages, in their lives. And then she studied them a second year and a second year. No loss. These people were still going for God. And she came to this conclusion that they had more than just a head knowledge that God touched them in their mind, their soul, their body. He took possession of every part of them, and they were on fire for God, and they continued walking with God, hot for God, just like you and me, Sid, where we just can't get enough of God every single day. And, and another thing you might find interesting, Meshbocha, is before this show, Warren checked on a number of the testimonies in his DVDs, and what did you find out? Are these people still walking they're with God? They're still walking on God, still on fire. They're reaching others. That's the amazing thing. What happens as a result of people getting these DVDs and sitting under these things and sensing God's presence and being touched and changed, it's going to put a hunger in their heart. They're going to be sensing God every day. They're going to be wanting more of God and more. Okay, does someone have to go to one of these revival meetings to get what you got, what I got? No, actually, I think this is better because what happens is it's taking all of the greatest times of anointing. The and best music, the, the best, best testimony, The words that were shared up there by, by men of God like Steve Hill and others. But then it's also the prayer lines itself, and they'll sense what God's doing. It just comes off of the screen. People tell me it literally comes into their home. They sense God's glory right in their home. Tell me about the, the desperation of, say, from the uh, Pensacola revival, Steve Hill. Well, Steve Hill was a main evangelist that was used night after night, six nights a week, sharing with people incredible anointing how, on him. How many people came to that revival? Over four million to Pensacola. A little sleepy southern town. That's right. Four million people, and not just from the U.S., from all over the world. Now, those people were desperate. Yes, definitely. They were all desperate. They would wait on lines early morning. I have it on the film. You could see it. 
like 3 in the morning they'd get there and wait in the hot sun for a 7 p.m. service. And I'd ask them why. And they said, because I heard God is here. Oh, you know, the funny thing, though, you're reminding me of the Smithen revival. Uh, tell, tell me the size of the city. and, and the, the, It was a small church building. Talk about long lines. 532 people in the entire town. Hundreds of thousands of people coming from all over the world lined up outside this little oh, church. I remember the neighbors of that church were so <laughs> upset. People are coming to their tiny little city from all over the world. But see, they're not going to have to go to these revivals anymore because you've put the best of the best together. And then the prayer of impartation with our studio audience of It's Supernatural, uh, I believe that someone will get more from this seven DVD series than any revival they could have gone to. Definitely. And when they see the story of like Steve Hill, here's a guy that was an evangelist all over the world. He was preaching. He was hungry. He had this thing. He's broken up inside. He's preaching. But he's this is before he came to Pensacola. He said, I got to find out, God, where are you? I need more. So we heard that there was a revival that broke out in an Anglican church in Great Britain. And he said, I'm going to go there. I don't care. I don't care if I don't believe in that same denomination. I'm going there. And what was interesting, two women, Eleanor Mumford and another woman, had gone to Toronto. They were touched. They came and shared what happened. And the revival broke out in that church as a result. So Steve Hill goes there. He expects this meeting and his church service. People are on the floor. He found himself on the floor, couldn't get up. And that was the impartation he received. And when he went to Brownsville on Father's Day, there was an outpouring of the Father came in that church, in that Assemblies of God church in Pensacola, Florida, as a result of the hunger that Steve Hill had. And, you know, I, I just, I, I, I've been reviewing your DVDs. Of course, I went to uh, many of the meetings all three. You dragged me but, there. But the, the thing that is so amazing to me, Warren, is the anointing on these testimonies, the anointing on the music. I would have to say of everything I've ever heard, uh, the thing that blows me out of the water every time I hear it is Steve Hill giving an altar call. And he always had a young girl by the name of Charity James. Uh, that What was the song she would sing? The Mercy Seat. The Run mer- to the Mercy Seat. And there is such an anointing. As a matter of fact... This is going to be your moment to get desperate for God. This is going to be your moment to stop being lukewarm and take that first step. And God says, if you will draw close to me, I will draw close to you. Let's go to that altar call by Steve Hill. I want you to come right now. Do not hesitate. Hurry right now. Come on. Hurry right now. Hurry right now. Kneel at these altars. Kneel at these altars. Come on. Hurry in the balcony. Let's go. Hurry in the balcony. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Sing it, Charity. Everything is unknown. Come on. Come on. Hurry. I face the power Hurry. of Hurry. sin on Hurry. my own. Hurry. I did not know of a place I could go. God's mess. 
message to you. You are eligible for pardon. He'll forgive you. He'll wash you. He'll cleanse you. But don't get all the way to the edge, friend, with your sin. Step back. Step back from the edge and say, Jesus, I can't go any further. I want you to wash me. I want you to cleanse me. I want you to make me new, Jesus. He'll do it, friend. If you'll repent, if you'll repent, if you'll repent. Come on right now. Come on right now. Come on. Hurry. 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 Come on. Come on. Come on. In the Family Life Center. Come on. Come on. Put me over there. Put me over there. Come on. 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 God bless you, son. God bless you, man. They never come true. But I know where there's a place Come on. of mercy Come on. for you. I, I tell you, Warren, the presence of God, as we're just talking about these things, is so strong in this studio that I'm starting to hear words of knowledge, and I'd be wrong before God if I didn't state that there are people that are listening to us right now. If you'll stand up and bend over, you'll see the pain is gone from your back. Your spine is totally strengthened, strongly straightened, and <laughs> your neck, the pain is gone. I mean, there, there's something so wonderful going on in backs, and there, there's someone with a knee, the pain is gone, and someone with uh, uh, actually in your hip, the pain is gone. In Jesus' name, it's so strong on backs that I almost believe everyone that acts right now will get their healing. And Warren, one more important testimony. There's this woman on the DVD named Mary Broxson. She is incredible. Every time I see it, I start weeping, Sid. She was a woman. She was brought up with a pastor as a father. She got a hold. She was in the Brownsville Revival. She just realized, I need God. I need God. She would be there six nights a week. She would come back two in the morning. She would be drunk in the spirit. I mean, her husband didn't know what was going on, her family. But what happened as a result, her entire family came. But she had to take that step. She had to go. If she hadn't have gone, her family would not have known God in the way they know him today. Just like people listening to us right now have to take that step and order these seven DVDs. The seventh DVD is a total impartation, step by step, to get you immersed in the Spirit of God. Uh, but the anointing is so powerful. Uh, I, I want to hear her testimony right now, the woman you were talking about. Before the revival, I loved the Lord with all my heart. Uh, at least I thought it was with all my heart. I have been in the church all my life. My dad is, is a pastor. But there was something missing. I mean, I read my Bible, but yet there was, there was a void there. 
And I knew I had a call in my life, but I, I didn't know exactly what it was. And uh, like I said, there was, there was a void, even though I loved the Lord. And I didn't know what it was. Uh, and I was really, really beginning to dry up inside. And I said, God, I need you. When I went to the first service that Sunday night, I was so hungry. I was at the point where I was yelling to God, you've got to do something in my life or I'm going to wither away. You've got to move. And I guess coming to that point, surrendering and really getting a hold of God, you've got to do this. And the moment came. And I was going. I was so hungry, so hungry. I went up to the altar every night. I was getting prayer every night. And God had to move in me in order for him to start moving in the rest of the family. And it brought a lot of tension between my husband and I, mostly on my husband's part, because he didn't understand. I really felt the spirit rising up in me, and I said, I love you, but I have got to have God right now. He is calling me, and I'm going after him. I'm doing this. I have got to do this. But there was one moment that when I came home and I hugged my husband and God moved, just broke that wall and moved in him and it changed him where he, now he could start understanding and could see what was going on and gave him a hunger also. Imagine getting DVDs with these testimonies, that anointing, the worship, uh, they're sharing about their desperation, an altar call like you've heard. Imagine what is going to happen to a friend that you want to bless, and we're going to make it possible because when you order one seven-DVD series called The Great North American Revival for $59— If you send us a gift of just $89, we'll send you two sets, one for yourself and one for your friend. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.